0: Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Today we have an exciting little break from the normal podcast that we do. Back in May of 2022, we did an event, a live webinar about life after business school. This featured three panelists who talked about their experiences transitioning from being an MBA student to an MBA graduate and what that experience was like as an MBA grad, re-entering the professional workplace, changing careers or changing functions and the lessons and learnings along the way. And humbled that we had Natasha Chan, Lucero Perez, and Audrey Del Rosario uh, to share their thoughts and experiences with us on this particular topic. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart and something that I've thought a lot about after graduating from business school back in 2015. And talking with hundreds, if not thousands now, of MBA alum, the beginning of graduation means that there are lots of opportunities ahead, but how do you take advantage of them? And how do you live life after you graduate from business school? So uh, we're excited because I'm actually going to play the recording of the webinar in this podcast episode that we had live on Zoom. And I hope you enjoy, and I hope you enjoy listening to the stories of Audrey, of Natasha, and Lucero. Hi everyone. My name is Al D. I am the founder of MBA Schooled and the host of the MBA Insider podcast and today I'm excited because we're going to do something new and fun and where we're going to have a live webinar with uh, three amazing MBA alum panelists who are going to talk a little bit about life after the MBA, both for the perspective of what it's like to transition back to the workplace as well as what post MBA life is like. And I'm so grateful that I have such an esteemed panel of guests who are here to share their stories and experiences. So I guess to start, I wanted to do a webinar on this topic and to talk about this topic of life after business school and transitions and the like, because it was coming up a lot in a lot of the conversations I was having, both with MBA students and many MBA alum. And I figured that this would be a great way to have some folks share their own experiences and to help all of you think about either what that transition is like if you are a current student, or how to think about additional transitions if you already are an MBA grad and are wondering, how do I navigate through this in my career and life? And I guess maybe to start, I want to start with our panelists. So Natasha, I'm seeing you right now first. Natasha, would you mind maybe sharing us just briefly who you are, where you went to school, what you're doing now, and then one fun fact about you. So we'll start with Natasha.
1: Or Hi, everyone. I'm Natasha. I'm currently a lead creative strategist at Salesforce. And I graduated from the Johns Hopkins MBA and dual um, master's in public health program back in 2017. And fun fact about myself, I've been training in Kraut McGaugh for the last 10 years.
0: That's an amazing fun fact. Audrey, I'm looking at you next. Would you mind introducing yourself?
2: Sure. Uh, Hi everyone, I'm Audrey Del Rosario. I graduated from Georgetown University, McDonough School of Business, in 2020, um, and I currently work as a senior program manager at HubSpot. I, as part of my career transition, will also go into my time working at my first post MBA company, which is Google. And my fun fact, hmm, I've been collecting postcards since I was in fifth grade. So I love snail mail. And as much as I am connected digitally, I am a huge fan of anything that comes via post.
0: Wonderful. Uh, Lucero, would you mind introducing yourself?
3: It's obviously not mine at all. Hi, everybody. I am in Austin. I graduated. Is in Austin. We can figure this out. Yeah. Are we good now? Awesome. Hi, Lucero Perez. I graduated from a Columbus School of Business in Austin in 2016. I am currently a consultant in employee experience at Slalom. I'm going to talk about my career transition to Deloitte first as a human capital consultant, then to sales and value manager at Workday, and now back to consulting. And a fun fact about myself is that I lived in Paris for three years.
0: Wonderful. That's great. Okay, Audrey, I'm going to start with you because you were, I believe, the individual who most recently graduated. I believe you graduated in about May or June of 2020. So maybe talk a little bit about what that experience was like in terms of graduating, certainly during the beginning stages of the pandemic and what that first uh, experience was like transitioning back into the workplace and into i believe a new role right. in the industry.
2: Yeah, thank you Al for that question. And I'm not going to lie, it's taken a little bit of time to unpack and I think since we're still, you know, re re-experiencing I think what the workplace could be post-pandemics, it's a bit of an evolving answer, but I will say at the very beginning graduating business school and starting at a new company, and specifically I started at Google, it wasn't anything necessarily about Google. It was just the fact that all of these conditions led to this overall feeling of uncertainty in the beginning of 2020 that I, I think I was going through perhaps the most difficult career transition that I've ever experienced. And I'm not going to sugarcoat that fact because there were just so many unknowns at the time. And I think I was feeling at the moment a mix of, I think, nervousness around what would happen around my post-MBA plans. I was feeling a little bit of relief knowing that I was coming back to a company that I previously interned at. And at the same time, I knew that, that there would be a sense of familiarity on the other side. So a lot of mixed emotions. But to give you a sense of kind of my own journey, I graduated in May 2020 from Georgetown University. And then I started at Google in June 2020, so there wasn't much of a break. But I got I rolled up my sleeves, and originally I was supposed to go back to the uh, position where I had originally interned with Google as a MBA uh, intern, specifically in the summer of 2019, and that was actually in the division of recruiting. But should be a surprise to nobody here, recruiting really, really changed in 2020, and so. I unfortunately wasn't able to go back directly to the same team, but I was then working on some pandemic-related work still within the HR space.
0: And if you think back to, Audrey, that experience, what's maybe one lesson you learned just about uh, navigating when things don't go maybe the way that you planned? I mean, I hope that everyone's job after they graduate from business school is what it's expected, but sometimes it's not. But what's maybe one lesson you learned from that in terms of having to navigate something that ends up being different than what you thought it was going to be?
2: I think I reminded myself that, you know, I joined Google for a lot of reasons. And one of it was like interesting work and a really engaging workplace. But even though my project, my division, my manager, and even building location seemingly changed overnight because of the pandemic, it wasn't anyone's fault. And I just reminded myself of, more than all that, I remember the feeling of the co-workers I met the previous summer, and I was thinking these were really quirky, engaging, smart people who were incredibly kind and were really creative. And I was able to find tribes of those similar communities in my new role. And so I started to seek out those personalities in my new team, and it helped bridge the transition where. I wasn't reaching for the previous work and necessarily tied to that for my work as a full-time employee, but I was really stepping into a space where I knew I'd encounter the same kind of Googler, if you will, whether I was working in my previous internship position or my new one.
0: I love that. And I love how you went out of your way to seek out those communities. Lucero, let's go up to you for a second. I believe you entered into consulting after your MBA and consulting is definitely not for the faint of heart. What was it like to transition into that? And how was that experience from you, particularly going from school to going into a pretty challenging and demanding field?
3: I honestly, and this, keep in mind this was back in 2016, I thought the experience was smooth and enjoyable at first and then a little bumpy because I took two months off and I traveled through Mexico and Cuba and that was really amazing. And I knew that I was coming back to a place where I had entered the summer before. Uh, and so for me, it was like, okay, I know the people kind of like similar to Audrey, and I had the the privilege of being able to come back to the same people. And I think when you consult, especially at a big company, they have a real well-old machine in terms of onboarding. And so I think like knowing what to expect at every point of the way was really helpful for me. So I wasn't guessing. I think when it got really bumpy and not for the faint of heart is when I started traveling, when I got my first project, because I'd never done that before. I never traveled one day through Thursday. It was like a completely different experience. And I think even if you, think that you know what it's like, you don't really know until you get there. So I had to give myself some grace and just like ask for help to people and be very clear about, you know, what was working what wasn't working to get through that. But I ended up enjoying it a lot. But yeah, it was was a bit of a bumpy ride.
0: That's great. And Natasha, I want to go over to you. And I believe you also entered in consulting after graduating as well. And so maybe talk a little bit about your transition. And then maybe one thing that you think helped you as you navigated You know, into consulting?
1: I actually started out my career in healthcare. Obviously, you know, I got a master's in public health. So I was doing consulting before graduate school, but I was doing hospital payment review and revenue recovery. Fancy way of saying that I argued with insurance companies to make sure that they were paying health hospitals correctly. And then when I went to graduate school, like every other business student, I wanted to go into strategy and ops, whatever that meant. So I thought that I would be going back into that after graduate school, but It was actually in the second year of my dual degree program that I didn't want to do healthcare anymore. I think I just got, this is again, just my personal story, but I think I got a little bit jaded, you know, working in the healthcare system. I had always thought that I was going to be a doctor and I really just wanted to help people. But I think the more and more I was working on the business side, the finance side of healthcare, it was getting further and further away from that goal of like really wanting to help patients and people. So I started to realize that a lot of the skills that I was good at in consulting didn't have to be within the healthcare industry. I could take them to any industry. And one of my um, advisors actually at the time, and I was working with some of her colleagues, but Cindy Jacobs on the call is part of the Hopkins CDO office. And they were really a guiding light for me, I think, and encouraging me to just try something different. And I really loved my time at Hopkins. I loved working with career services, with student life, talking to prospective students. And I was always really curious about what life behind the scenes would be like in a higher education institution. So right after graduation, I actually transitioned into consulting within the higher ed space. So I was doing Oracle Cloud implementations for universities. So I did that for about two years, but honestly, like that transition was really rough. The fact that I now had two master's degrees, but was completely pivoting to a new industry My summer internship was also in healthcare. I got a lot of rejections. So I applied for like a hundred different roles and I think I only got a handful of interviews and I got one offer the week of graduation, but that's all you need, you know, just to get started with pivoting to something different. So I think, you know, Lucero, to your point, I think that first transition was really difficult pivoting into something that was totally different in terms of industry, but my function was the same. But I think after that, I became a little bit more brave to try other pivots down the road. So after I was done with Oracle Cloud implementations, I decided to try working out at a university full-time for a couple of years. So I actually worked at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business and Career Services for about two years. So I was helping MBA students find internships and full-time roles. And then right after that is when I transitioned to Salesforce. So I actually started at Salesforce. April of 2020, so I quit my job during the pandemic, started a new job right at the height of the pandemic, and I haven't looked back since and really loved my time at Salesforce. So that's kind of the long winding road of how I got to where I am today.
0: So maybe one more follow-up question, Tasha, because you have the perspective of also working in career education with MBAs, if there's one piece of advice you have uh, for soon-to-be MBA graduates about going back into the workplace and potentially even also making a career transition, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: So I think after having seen so many MBA students come through and just become laser focused on consulting, banking, product management, I really encourage students to just open your eyes to like all the other types of jobs that are out there. I think it's really easy to get swept up in, you know, everyone around you being on the consulting track. And it seems like really cool and secure and sexy, but You know, this is the time in your life to just explore. So you can totally go down that route and like try out consulting or product management or banking, but don't be closed off to some of the other really cool things that are out there. So for example, like I do creative strategy now. No idea like five years ago that I would be doing a creative role. And it was something that I was always super interested in, but I always thought like I can get there later. But honestly, the further out you get from being a student, it is more difficult to make those transitions if you don't have a buttoned up story. I think people are really forgiving to students because they're like, oh, they're trying different things and they're more open to you pivoting at this point in your career than later down the road. So that being said, I mean, like you have three examples here of people who have been able to make those post MBA pivots. But I do think now is the time to try something new if you ever thought about it.
0: Lucera, I want to go back to you for a second. Give us a high and then a low of that first post-NBA job.
3: I think the high is that I got to travel to interesting places like Santa Fe, New Mexico, Dublin, Brisbane, and work really interesting people. And I also took a three-month leave of absence for my honeymoon so my husband, and I got to travel through Southeast Asia. And so I think that for that reason, 15 out of 10 would recommend that you look into the policies that the company has. And I think the low would be that Some consulting models, at least, and Natasha, they might have been different for you, but they lend themselves to always be thinking about what else do I need to do to perform better, to get promoted. So it gets challenging to be in the moment and celebrate milestones. And I think celebrating milestones and growth is such an important ritual in your professional life. So for example, when you get promoted in consulting, you almost immediately start talking to your coach and advisors about how to get to the next level, what you need to do next. And so I really wish I would have taken more time to reflect and celebrate how much I grew year to year. So that's my low.
0: No, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And even just one exercise that I have tried to do as I've transitioned into a new role myself over the past year is every couple of months, literally open up a doc and just ask myself, what have I learned over the past three months, six months? And I've done that twice already since I started. And I'm, I'm shocked sometimes because in any given moment, particularly now, you know, in my role, I regularly don't know what I'm doing, but then when I look at the doc, I'm, I go back and look and I think to myself, oh, wow, I have learned a few things or I do know a lot. And so I, I'm definitely a big proponent of doing that one for self-reflection, but two, also to your point, it's important to celebrate your your wins and to see the 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 fruits of the things that you've done. I want to go over to Audrey, maybe ask you a a similar question in terms of high and low in that first role after, after graduation?
2: I think my high would be not, well, I'll say this. I did not ant- anticipate the level of impact I would have for one working on pandemic related work. And we're talking about effectively digitizing a lot of the HR services that Google used to provide in Office, that was my job. And I would be on that team that ultimately would figure out the internal tooling and the digital strategy behind that. And I think just being able to work on something so tangible, impactful, and and timely was an incredible high that I think I'll always cherish as being part of my career. I think the low, though, was that at a certain point, and again, no disrespect or shade, in fact, the opposite, the odd mode respect for anyone working in human resources in the pandemic today, my impact is here, but my mental health was at a different place. Simply by looking at this vaccination, health information every day, I don't think I took the time to actually reflect, not just on my own career lessons, right, to, to the point that was made earlier, but, where I was mentally and physically at different points for as much impact as I had, and I think for me, the distance between the impact and where my own mental and physical health were were perhaps the low. But again, it took me a little bit of time to unpack that. It wasn't just like a singular moment. It was just an in some ways kind of a greater lesson for me that you know work and your health sometimes are can be at odds with one another, and that Like really that I needed to pay attention to both indicators at the same time. And that for me was my, is now my benchmark of success of being able to kind of balance those two elements in my life.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad that today we can start to talk about some of these things more openly than I think perhaps we've been able to in the past, but I do know that it can be really challenging. And if you don't mind sharing, could you maybe talk a little bit about in those challenging moments? how you were able to navigate through those in terms of either what you did, what you who you reached out to, what resources you used, because I don't think you are alone in terms of being in a position where you certainly want to succeed and do well, but you also are also human and sometimes you won't have your own limitations. And I think it'd be really helpful for people to to maybe hear that if you're willing to share.
2: I think in retrospect, what I should have pulled from was basically what would 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 be a crisis playbook. I'll just say that. We start there. But I didn't know that at the time because there was no script for how the pandemic was going to play out in every company. And for me, I think the challenge I was dealing with every day was just the uncertainty of all the variables that could impact your project, impact the goal that you have, and ensuring people's health and safety all over the company. And every day felt like waking up to a new reality at certain points. And every week and month, you know, information would change. I think what I reached for in retrospect was that I really focused on building myself a kind of board of advisors, even internally within Google, just to do a kind of sanity check across different product groups or different divisions to be able to say, is it me? Is it my division? Is it the pandemic or is it Google? And from there, I started to kind of isolate where certain drivers of my ability to move my own work forward or move my own experience forward as an employee at that point in time, I was then able to kind of understand where each of those factors were by being able to kind of build this board of advisors. So to give you an idea, I had an advisor specifically in the engineering division who was shipping out products on a kind of weekly basis. and In fact, some of her timelines were even faster than in anything I was doing internally. So it was gaining perspective then for kind of how fast or slow I was going. I also included someone who had a really nuanced perspective on risk management. And so I was able to kind of de-risk my project in a way, by being able to kind of pull her insights and look at some of her extreme cases to be able to identify what would be the takeaways from my project. From my own career of pathing, I actually played with a lot of different concepts in this time. I think what made my time at Google so special and and one that again I'm grateful for even though I'm no longer at the company is that in such a short period of time because there were so many critical high impact projects kind of coming my way to my division I actually had the ability to experiment with like what brought me most energy by v- the sheer variety of cases and experiences that I was encountering and so I think one other kind of question I had at the same time, other than figuring out how to manage the risk, figuring out how to produce some of those deliverables was, what did I want? (laughs) There were just so many different variables at some point that I said, okay, it looks like I have two big buckets of information that I'm seeing in front of me. One, there's this body of human capital strategy work that I've so chased in my pre MBA applications and prep and all throughout business school and even in the internships and the, you know, extracurricular opportunities I took. And my career was geared one way towards that. Then there was this whole other body of work that I was slowly discovering along the way, though I didn't quite know I had the skill set all along. And it was specifically more so rooted in product management and this idea of user experience. And so Looking at these kind of two concepts, these two different fields of kind of human capital or HR, and then looking at user experience, sometimes they can be at odds with one another. To give you an idea, the HR side of me would have to sometimes prioritize compliance, which would be in direct conflict with what the user needed. And so there was this constant tension, but I also kind of built a group of advisors around just my career goals. And they were helping me trying to identify what I liked what I didn't like, and ultimately the skills i need to move up. And it gave me a decision at the end and looking at all this data, if you will, if you're thinking of that way, I realized that actually, though I came to Google to work on this human capital strategy, which, you know, if you look at it by that measure, I did achieve my goal. I inadvertently, I guess, accidentally fell in love with a different discipline. And I finally found a board of advisors that actually made me comfortable then with the decision to say, okay, I may have gone to the company for one thing, but everything else I'm doing that gives me energy points another direction.
0: I love the concept of the personal board of advisors. And I love that you were able to really think internally about some of the things that were of interest to you and were giving you energy. So thank you for sharing that. Sarah, I want to go back to you for a second. So working in consulting gives you a chance to try a lot of different things. But what I also think it does is that As a result of trying different things, it also allows you to learn about yourself in terms of what you're good at, what you like doing, maybe what you don't like doing. Could you talk to us a little bit about what you learned from being in consulting, either about yourself and if anything, either that surprised you or that you didn't expect in terms of getting that first MBA experience in something like consulting?
3: Yeah. So I learned that I'm pretty good at getting up to speed quickly. And uh, building relationships with the right people and connections. I learned that I value connections more than anything else and building relationships based on trust and um, mutual respect. And I also learned that things go much smoother if you talk to your key stakeholders and talk about work styles. So if you have any personality tests or anything that you do for the personality, but like for the workplace, I think that I learned that I, I enjoy those. And also it's a much better way to build relationships based on trust and knowing each other. Something that surprised me, maybe not about myself, but about the workplace, and I don't know if this resonates with Audrey and Natasha, is that we're all trying our best, and even the people who seem very confident and like, I'm with it, I know what I'm doing, I'm very good at it, they have their moments of serious doubt, and so I feel like it is always a good idea to give yourself grace first when you're going through something new and just maybe stumbling a little because that's how you learn, but also give others grace as well. And I think that was surprising to me because especially in consulting, you see people are so confident in polish and delivery. And then you talk to them privately and you're like, oh, wow. I didn't know everything that was going on in your mind or went on before you got to the point where I saw you. So I learned a lot about Grace.
0: It reminds me of the analogy that sometimes we use in consulting of, of the duck, right? And when you see the duck over the water, they're swimming along, yeah. everything's fine. But if you look underneath, they're paddling furiously, trying to keep up, trying to hold it all together. And I I think that is often apropos sometimes of when we look out and see people who seem like they have it all together, but underneath they're just paddling furiously, just trying to get in some kind of direction. And I know I've felt that at multiple points in my own journey. Is there one thing I wanted to ask you too? You no longer work in consulting and just like most people who work in consulting, you left and that's normal and, and will continue to be normal. When did you know it was time for you to go and how did you figure out what you wanted to do next?
3: I knew it was time to go when even the the tasks that I used to enjoy, that I used to find joy and energy and energize me, were a bit of a of a hassle, I was just like, oh, not again. I think I felt like I was running on a runway. And I'm just like, this is not who I want to be. I think I was talking about myself and my identity in terms of my work. I'm like, I'm so much more than this. Why am I leaving with the work that I do, when I have all these other things that are interesting about me? And I'm just not thinking about that when somebody just asked me to describe myself. And I thought that was a red flag for me. And I think the way I did it, honestly, I hired a coach and that was the best decision I've ever made because not, the coach didn't do anything for me, didn't tell me anything. It just helped me ask the right questions and walk me through my own process, pay attention to what I was saying, what I valued versus what I was doing, where I was spending my time. And I think in general, just that having a cadence with a coach helped me keep myself accountable for doing a values exercise, making sure that I was figuring out what I wanted to do, how to talk about maybe the next step in terms that the people and that industry would understand. And so I think that was really helpful. I mean, not everybody can afford to hire a coach and everybody wants to, but I think it's a really helpful um, tool. And how did I figure it out? I just kind of wanted to spend time traveling still, but not traveling so much. So I like I guess like with the factors of like, what's important for me? What are the three to five things that are important for me based on what I like that consulting, what energized me, and maybe where I want to stretch and what I want to figure out kind of like, hey, I haven't done this, but I enjoyed this before at business school, maybe or another job and I want to try it again. Or what is something new that I want to just jump into? And I think that's how I put together my role at work day. But I'll say I left and I did a consulting because I came back to consulting. Ain't no shame in going back to jobs that, you know, you thought you'd like, but just Reconfiguring your surroundings and maybe going to a culture that resonates with you as a person, not just as a professional. But I think it's just asking yourself the right questions, keeping top of mind through the five things that are non negotiables for you in your next jump, and either hire a coach or make yourself go through that, you know, figure out your life work or just have dedicated time to reflect on your values and what you want for your next experience.
0: Natasha, I want to go over to you, and you've been so gracious to share your experience on MBA School and MBA Insider for the past two career transitions, I believe, that you've made. And I would love to know from you, so when we think about career transitions, a lot of times we think about what we're changing, right? But inherently, we're also keeping some things the same. And so there's there's that piece of it that I'd love you to talk about. And then maybe the follow-up to that is, how do you find a job that you don't know exists
1: Yeah, definitely. So that first bit about like, what's kind of the common thread between all these that you're making. When I shared a little bit about the beginning of my journey, I mentioned that I wanted to go into healthcare to help people or to impact people. And I think, you know, when I first started out in my career and that was a very narrow focus of patients, but I think after going to business school, after going into consulting, working in a bunch of different industries, I realized that it, it was people and not necessarily about patients. So I think that's always been the common thread in every role that I've had. So post MBA, you know, when I worked in Oracle Cloud implementations, like I had no idea what tech Oracle was. Like I didn't know what tech work implementations were. I learned it on the job, but I just really loved, you know, helping my clients and like helping them have that aha moment of like teaching them how to use these systems, like seeing how it made their lives easier. And I really loved working with students. So when I went over to Booth, you know, I was working with students, like helping them feel inspired, figure out what they wanted to do with their careers. But then when I came over to Salesforce, my first role here was actually customer success. So I was doing soft skills trainings for our entire global customer success organization. So again, it was that common thread. But something I think to your point about like, how do you find out about a role that doesn't exist? So something in the back of my head that I really enjoyed in all of these roles too this is really lame, but like, I love making PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> so when I was a consultant, when I was at Booth, when I was over in CSG, I was like, wow, if I could make PowerPoint presentations every day, that would be amazing. And I, I tried to think like, what is it about PowerPoints that I love? Is it communicating a message? Is the design thing is it both. So I think I explored that a lot, like while I was at Salesforce. You know, Lisara, to your point, I feel like the culture at Salesforce is just a great match for me because our managers, my teammates, they're all about exploration. So it's like, even if you find a job outside of our team that meshes better with you, that's totally fine. Like, we just want to support you and, you know, what would make you happy? So I did a lot of, you know, quote unquote networking, but just chatting with people about roles that sounded interesting to me. But I stumbled upon my current role of creative strategy and I can define that a little bit more it was through a coffee chat through our Asian ERG. So that's something that I, I'm super passionate about here at Salesforce is just connecting with the Asian community here. And I found I met someone else who had this role of creative strategist on this really enigmatic team called Q Branch. So I was like, what do you do? Like, what is this, this unicorn role? Tell me all about it. And so that was kind of the catalyst into how I got into my current role. But as a creative strategist, basically what I do is work with our sales teams and, um, They usually bring in Q Branch, which is actually named after James Bond. So the way that Q kind of helped give James Bond all the gizmos and gadgets for his missions, Q Branch at Salesforce gives our sales teams the presentations, the demos, the visual decks that they need to land deals with customers. And so I ended up being able to make presentations all day, every day. And now, like, my job is to really create these compelling narratives and stories for our customers so that they can really start to visualize, like, what does Salesforce do for them? Like, what would their organization look like with Salesforce powering their business? So that's a little bit about, like, kind of a common thread through every pivot and then how I found this unicorn world.
0: Yeah, so a couple of things that I really like there. So. Very similar to Audrey, one of the things that you did, which I think was really great was to find your community and to find your tribe. Uh, in this case, it was the Asia pack force, which was uh, a great place to uh, find like-minded people, but also people who could expose you to new opportunities and ideas that you may uh, you probably could have found it in other ways, but maybe not as directly. So I, I think that's another lesson is to figure out how to re architect those communities when you do re-enter the workforce, whether those are within your company um, or even outside of that for that, for that matter. And the other thing that I, I love what you said was really digging into the thing behind the thing. So the thing is the PowerPoint, but that there's something behind that that is really exciting you and energizing you. And for those of you who are looking for a good book, Marcus Buckingham just came out with a, a great book about finding kind of love in your work. And I'll, I'll link it in the chat, but I'm looking the HBR article. But the idea here is that after all the research they've done, the the too long don't read is that if you can find about 20% of things that you love doing each day, that's about optimal, not a hundred, you know, not zero, but about 20, um, give or take. And so his, his book kind of encapsulates how to go about doing that. But part of it really is finding the thing behind the thing and, and really having that introspection to dig deep. And, and then also certainly being able to get feedback on that too, because um, sometimes people can help you kind of see some of those other things that you don't even know that you love. And And I also think Lucero, that also speaks to the value of working with a coach sometimes, because they can kind of shine that mirror back on you to see some of those, see some of those things. I want to go maybe back to Audrey for a second, thinking back to your time in business school and the experiences you gained, the things that you learned, the skills that you built. What have you, what has been most valuable to you since then, you know, from that MBA experience that you've used or applied or leveraged now that you're an MBA graduate?
2: Well, I've spoken specifically already kind of about the the relationships, right? And the soft skills that it, I, you know, I employ every single day in my job. And my job today, I realized I actually didn't mention this earlier. So I'm a senior program manager and a researcher in HubSpot. And really what that is, is that I'm basically managing a group of projects that all roll up to a similar theme. And that theme specifically is all around the user experience of one of our customer groups. So similar to Natasha, she's providing kind of the tools, right, and resources, ultimately to help our sales teams be effective. I'm providing some of that foundational data to help understand who is our customer, what do they need, and what do they really care about, right, for a particular topic. I realized, actually, I was able to move to this type of field, not just in being able to use the skill sets that. I really got to practice in my MBA, which were like negotiating influence, you know, without that immediate authority or even kind of some of those leadership skills specifically. It was also, I, I think I was given a lot of frameworks that helped me diagnose the kind of given problem or given situation. And so things like Natasha, the interesting thing about my role is that Though I have a defined scope, my role is new for the company. And I'm basically building out this function. I'm basically applying a lot of these business school lessons of what I've learned to my own work. Am I actually, you know, thinking about this in some ways with some of the consulting frameworks I've I actually picked up along the way to, you know, exhaust right some of my options and include everything that I can include when I'm thinking about a given strategy. Am I thinking about the business impact, right? For the program I'm ultimately launching and things like that. But I would say like more tactically speaking, what I really appreciate most about business school is that it gave me a lot of exposure to a lot of different personalities, particularly around project and program management. I think about team dynamics all the time. And I don't think that's something you can read about in a textbook. I think just by virtue when having been part of so many teams, so many different classes, so many different working groups. It gave me more exposure or it gave me an exposure to more personalities than I ever thought possible in such a short period of time. And it's really, really helped a lot of the stakeholder alignment that I do today.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Lucero. I want to go back to you. So what I want you to talk about, if you don't mind, is a little bit about culture and company culture, because it was something you alluded to. And the framing for this question is, as you mentioned, you worked at Deloitte, then you moved into the tech industry. Now you're back in consulting again and would love to know just around this topic of culture, because I know it's coming top of mind for a lot of people, but talk to me more about what that means for you and then maybe talk a little bit about how do you know what is the right culture or how do you find that out? I mean, I know everyone here knows to look at Glassdoor, knows that they should do informational interviews, but how do you get further than that into, and how do you get to a place where you can feel confident about either what you think you need, or if you are not in a good situation, when you know that you are not in a good situation?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, culture is kind of like how we do things around here, right? So asking, I think getting different data points and asking, if you're going through an interviewing process, asking to talk to more people outside of what they would give you and see if they are easily giving you more people because usually what companies put in front of you is people who will speak highly of them, obviously. And so I think the more people that you know that work in that company and the more people that you ask about that look like you, that maybe have some background of you, it's helpful. And just asking them questions that go around what you value, right? So I think it's too hard, like knowing yourself, knowing what your values are, And there's certain value exercise that you can do. Like, here are the 50 values. Pick five, and then pick your most uh, important value, and then think through like how to use that value to make decisions. I think that's uh, helpful to know. Do they craft questions about how they do things in that company, what they prioritize, and maybe ask some situational questions as well as when they're asking you? I think an interview is as much you interviewing them as they're interviewing you. So just like making sure that you pick maybe a few two to three questions to ask everybody to see if the answer is consistent. I don't want to say gut feeling, but yes, good feeling in terms of like, how do you feel after each interview? After each conversation, do you feel energized? Do you feel like you could be your own self with the people that you're talking to? Do you feel like they were maybe uh, trying too hard to sell the company? I just, I feel like that is important as well. So keeping, keeping close, close steps on how you're feeling throughout the interviews. And being forward about what's important to you, like, for example, what I didn't do necessarily when I interviewed with Workday, because I was trying to run away from, you know, where I was, was asking tough questions about work-life balance, about how you, like, promotion, about career paths. Like, I don't think I dug as deep there, and I think I did differently with Zalem, because I was sure that I needed, I needed to not spend my whole time on meetings. That was very important to me. I needed to put myself first because my only way that I do my best work is if I'm well rested and I have eight hours of sleep, if I do yoga and work out and if I had time to be flexible during the day, if I have a doctor's appointment or anything, right? Like to be treated as an adult and be given that trust that I will do my job whenever I do it and that I can take care of myself and that I would prioritize. And I think it was very forward with those conversations with Solomon, and that paid dividends because. People were like, yep, that's who we are. And here are more people you can talk to. And this is what these people are saying. I also felt like they were very genuine in immediately telling me, here's what works well with us. Here's what we're working on that's not going so well. I feel like that's another telling sign of like, ask people when you're having conversations with another company, what would you change? What would you fix? What is something that you're working on? I think they should have a good answer for that because nobody, no culture is perfect. And then you decide with all the data points and talking to all those people, if that's the good fit for you for where you are in life at that point. Because again, Deloitte was a good fit for me where I was after business school, work that was a good fit for me for where I was after Deloitte, and sell is a good fit for me now, would it be a good fit forever? No, but probably not. But, you know, it's like, I I think you have to make decisions based on where you are in life and what are your goals for that year.
0: I, I think that's a really great point. Before I move on, if anyone has any thoughts or questions, feel free to put them in the chat. We're happy to answer them either through the chat or through being able to answer them directly by the panelists. Natasha, I wanna go back to you. And Lucero mentioned something there just about thinking about where you are at right now. And seeing if this works for you. What I would be curious to know from you, one of the reasons why I brought all of you on are because I know you all are thoughtful and you do spend a lot of time thinking about your career. I'd be curious to know how uh, you have evolved your own thinking about your career from when you first graduated from business school to where you are now. How has that changed or how has that evolved or how has that stayed the same?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the catalyst for me was in graduate school when I was kind of pushed to think, like, what what is going to make you happy? And I think also becoming a career coach myself, like asking my my students those same questions of like, what's going to make you want to wake up and go to work every day? You know, as much as we always say, like work shouldn't be who you are and like work shouldn't be the most interesting thing about you. Like you need to spend the most of your time at work, you know? So I think something that I've kind of carried myself throughout my career so far is just following what interests me and what I love. And if there's anything that I'm curious about or anything that I want to add to my toolkit, I just do it. Like there's just nothing personally that's holding me back and you know i'm not at a point in my in my life yet where i have children so i think i'm fortunate enough to spend both you know my daytime hours but also my evening hours like pursuing things that interest me um so i think for where i'm currently at with creative strategy like i've made enough pivots at this point and i think i'm set like i think i've finally found like the thing that just makes me feel the most alive like personally professionally but allows me to also you know, bring my full self to work and do things that I love. So I, I don't know what's next for me. And I think this is kind of the first time in my life where I just kind of want to coast for a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad thing at all. That's great. Yeah. Natasha, there's a question in the chat. I'm going to let you answer that offline. I'm going to go to the Lucero and ask her the same question while we're doing this, because we can multitask like this. The beauty of the internet, as I was saying, you know, again, where you were versus where you are now. How are you thinking about your career? What's the same? What's different?
3: What Natasha said totally resonates. I think it was when I graduated business school, it was like, move up, up or out. Aligning to that consulting mentality, right? Keep going, do more, take on more work, get promoted. And I think right now I want to enjoy it. I'm going to play right now where I want to do work that is interesting to me with people that I appreciate and that appreciate me. And so I think the work hosting that definitely resonates and we like let's take here for a little bit let's see you know let's do more work let's notice more things and if we're doing the same work over and over again how can I enjoy different aspects of it learn different aspects of it but not necessarily as yes, I need to move up I'm more like if I if I'm curious about something sideways I can do that as well I feel like I don't know if 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 that makes sense but I think you you mentioned this in one of your articles all about the career lattice and just kind of like moving around and seeing I think I'm more in the sense of exploring things that are Horizontal, as opposed to like, I got to get promoted. I got to get to the next level. So I think I've I've changed my approach in that sense, and I also want to enjoy the the ride. So I'm dedicating a lot more time to me and my dog and my husband, and that's working out really well.
0: And I know they are great, grateful and appreciative that you decided to to do that uh, (laughs) for sure. Audrey, I want to go over to you for a second, and since you were the one who graduated most recently, Mm -hmm. I would love to know just from you what Since you've graduated, like, what are you most proud of, right? In terms of where you, from when you started to where you are now, as you mentioned, you started a job during the pandemic, which is for anyone who had to do that, that's no tall task. And certainly you transitioned into a new role in industry and you've done so again, but if you could reflect back just on the past, maybe two years, you know, what are you most proud of for yourself?
2: I think I'm most proud of, actually, you know. I, so I made this career transition in about February of this year, was actually, so not too long ago. And I remember calling my mom and I said, you know, the really funny thing about this whole career transition these past two years is that I've been working towards this goal of being in this human capital space for five years beforehand. It was not like an easy thing to process or let go. And I'm not going to lie. I actually grieved. That goal, I had to take some time to honor that I was in that place. It served me at that moment, but after this period of reflection, right, and actually taking the time to honor where I was then at that point earlier this year, I, said, you know, mom, I actually think I know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I think I actually found that function that brings me the most energy. And part of my discovery, right, was going through this like route of i knew that there were kind of two choices in front of me going more that human capital route going more that user experience strategy route and i ended up picking up that user experience part altogether and i read this book which this is simon sinek called start with why and i highly recommend it but i think like the way that i found out what i want to do is in some ways it's kind of meta it's that you know I finally figured out my why by asking other people their why. Why is this the problem? Why is this your experience? How does that show up for you every single day? And that's what I love about this field. And, you know, to, to echo, I think that's something said of the past, it's not that when you're making that career transition, you're letting everything go. In reality, you're carrying the piece that you found the most energizing, right, in your previous role. And for me, it was always this idea of like humanness, right? This emphasis and this focus on people, which you could argue right, in HR that should be at the core of every single project that you're working on. So if you're thinking of it that way, that my transition and what I'm most proud of is never losing sight of that and being able to kind of carry that humanness from working in really meaningful HR work to the user experience strategy work that I do today.
0: I love that. And it looks like some comments in the chat also agree with you. Uh, Audrey, last question for you. There are a number of folks on this call right now who are soon to be MBA graduates. So first and foremost, congratulations. And we're excited for you. But what advice would you give to those soon to be MBA graduates about uh, entering post-MBA life?
2: A few things. So I would say, first, your goals may change. And that's okay because business school, I think, in some ways really rewards a kind of goal orientation, you know, achieving that target, hitting that milestone and doing it in the time frame that you expect. But that's not how life works. Sometimes you kind of have to give yourself a little bit of space to realize that you may need to experiment or take, you know, a sidetrack or dabble in a new skill that will ultimately bring you perhaps more fulfillment. And I think that's something that I wish I had told myself sooner than later, because I think I was unnecessarily hard on myself in this most recent career pivot. I think the second thing to think about is that the workplace is changing right now as we speak, and that there's a lot of pressure at the same time in business school to go after what people perceive to be the best company or the most rewarding or whatever it's ranked, right, by whatever external measure. Objectively speaking though, if you actually look at how companies are orienting themselves in terms of flexibility, perks, benefits, the landscape's really changing right now. And I challenge you to find that right mix of data points to actually echo something Lucero said, right? That really resonates with your own personal and professional goals. And I think relationships really matter, right? Al, I've been part of this community and actually I get to say it now, I feel so honored to even be in this space because some of the relationships on this call, like Lucero, actually, I heard you in a previous, I think it was a previous, some sort of digital engagement or webinar, and you gave me the courage to actually make that career pivot. So this is just an example of like a, you know, relationship in motion that's still giving back to me personally. And this is just one of those communities I've decided to invest in.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And we're so grateful that you're a part of the community and that you're sharing your story with us. Sarah, I wanna go over to you to give you your last word. And so my my question to you, um, I think you've done a really good job articulating about, um, I don't wanna call it work-life balance because I don't think that's the right terminology, but you have somehow figured out for you how to make both your work and your career, what you find important work, while finding out how to make space for all of this thing called life and what's important to you there. What advice might you have, uh, particularly for this audience, about how to do all that? Because it's not necessarily easy.
3: I think figure out what matters to you and what taking care of yourself means. I think in asking those questions to people that when you're interviewing, like, how do you take care of yourself? And, you know, what do you do to recharge things like that? And I think also asking about guardrails from the company side, I feel like we can set boundaries as much as we want, but the company culture is that conducive to respecting and honoring those boundaries, I think it's a losing proposition. So I feel like also assessing the, how how they're walking the talk, if you will, right? With the flexibility and the making sure that you're healthy and in your mind and your body, your rally, right? And in your um, day-to-day, I think that is really important. And I think in general, I would say take your PTO. <laughs> that is the biggest thing that I'll tell you. <laughs> Make sure you take your PTO and ask about people taking their PTO in the company where they are, because that's also a good sign of people taking time for themselves.
0: Thank you, Lucero. Okay, Natasha, my parting question to you, for the people who are on the call, if you're an MBA, soon to be MBA graduate, most of you will, almost all of you will definitely change jobs at some point, and you may even change careers. And certainly for the MBA grads who are on the call, you may be here because you're thinking about a career change. Natasha knows, you know, a lot about career changes parting words just around how to navigate, knowing that there's probably a chance we all will do this, but we won't necessarily know when it might happen or what that might thing might be. How do you kind of hold space for being present while also acknowledging that there might be something that might be coming down the road?
1: Yeah. So I actually get this question a lot, Al, and I think the stat that you just shared about, you know, if you're happy with the work that you're doing 20% of the time, like, that has shown in terms of research that that's enough for you to feel like your job is meaningful. but I would encourage everyone to, you know, pose that question to yourself. Like what percentage is enough for me? And for me, like, I think I felt very similar to Sarah, like in a lot of the roles that I've had, like I, I always was super dramatic about it. And I was like, the light has gone out of my life. Like, I'm just not, I don't want to go to work anymore. I just hate waking up every day. And I think if you get to that point and you feel that way more often than not during the work week, it's probably time for you to do something else. And again, you know, I I feel like I'm saying this from a place of privilege. Like, you know, I don't have to worry about like getting food on the table and like taking a job that's going to help me like pay my rent. But if you do have the luxury of choice, like why not choose something that's going to make you happy? So I think, if, again, My my parting words are if you're even thinking about changing jobs, just explore it. Like there's no harm in just talking to people, having conversations and you never know where that can lead you. So just start by exploring and, you know, the the window of focusing on yourself gets smaller and smaller the older that we get. So, you know, just take that opportunity whenever you get the chance.
0: I think that's a great place to end. So can we just please get a virtual uh, round of applause for Lucera, Audrey and Natasha for being such amazing panelists. I'm so grateful that you all are sharing your story today and can have shared your story and continue to give so much uh, to the podcast and the greater community. So thank you so much. For the folks who are at home, uh, please come check out the MBA center Podcast. I'm putting the link in the chat. But thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. We're so grateful that you're here. I'm happy to stick around if anyone has any questions. But again, thank you so much to our panelists. Uh, this was a wonderful event. So thank you.